Hey traders, David Frost, My Strategic Forecast, here for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. Today is Thursday, September 23, 2021. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. What do we have on the docket today? The first thing we're going to do is take a look at the daily chart, make our assessment, see what's jumping off the page, and then we'll go from there to the other charts, the other time frames, a look around the horn, we'll do a little bit of psychology, we'll do a little bit of conspiracy theory, we'll do all kinds of stuff. The first order of business is, what China Evergrande company, real estate company, fund, whatever it is over there? Wasn't that the reason the market gapped down the other day? If that was the reason the market gapped down the other day, and the thing is worse today than it was the other day, why is the market up? Because that wasn't the reason the market gapped down the other day. It was just the convenient excuse. That's my story, and I stick to it. Now, back to the daily chart. So where are we? The market came into an important time frame. My opinion, maybe it was a little bit early, doesn't matter. Came into an important time frame. We were looking for volatility to pick up mid-September. It picked up a little bit before mid-September. So from the high to the low, the market makes its low. Big fat round number, 430 ES 4300, give or take. Starts back up in the other direction. Today, fills the gap and runs a test of that breakdown candle high. Okay, fair enough. Closed above the 50-period moving average. All that stuff is right out of the book from Captain Obvious. Stay with me. There's a method to the madness. I'm leading somewhere. So what we have is we have a market that sold off, has a bounce, could be a dead cat bounce. So far, they made a pretty garden variety normal retracement. That's right out of the course, lazy e-mini trader. By the way, that retracement just so happens to come around the same price as a breakdown candle high, which by itself, at least on the first run, is normal garden variety of overhead resistance. Let's be the umpire. We'll call some balls and strikes. Weekly chart. First time in a long time that they ran a test of the 20-week moving average, bounced off of it pretty good, pretty fast. Two-week and a day pullback, catapult off the 20-period moving average. The trend is your friend until she throws your crap off the roof. From a weekly chart perspective, there's nothing wrong with the market. She's still in an uptrend. All she's done is run a test of the 20-period moving average, and depending on where we close this week, and that's why I bring this chart up, because we have to be prepared. We don't know where we're going to close the week. Do they close the week on the highs? Do they close the week having a reversal candle bouncing off the 20-week moving average, poised to then again have had a recocking of the weapon and make new highs? That would all be on the table. Or, when you look at the daily chart, are they going to have a garden variety retracement and start back down? In other words, who's to say it's not this with a B leg up and then a final leg below the low of the low of the A leg and then we go down lower? Who's to say that's not happening at present? We don't know it is or it isn't. It has to be on the table 
it's part of the potential schematic. But when you look at the weekly chart, it's really hard not to see the fact that this is a solid trend, little bit of a pullback, catapult back off the 20 period moving average, resume the trend. That's what my eye and mind is drawn to when looking at the weekly chart. What's that spot where if the market begins closing daily, even hourly is a pretty good hint ahead of time, but if she starts closing daily and beyond above a certain number, the likelihood of new highs become increasingly prevalent. What's that number? About 447.35. Write that down, put it on a sticky note. A couple of things that we can't lose sight of. We did make the lower low rather than a higher low. That's here on the daily chart. The weekly chart, all they did in the process is run a test of the 20-week moving average. So if the weekly chart is going to take precedent, and it does, the larger time frame takes precedent, then there's technically nothing wrong with the tape. We'll see if, in fact, they can get below or they run a test and close the day below the low from last Monday on the 20th. That low is 428.86. That's going to be a line in the sand. That's the new Irene number. Remember, the way the market works is it finds a low like the other day. Then it goes up for a few days, and after a big chunk of whatever is going to be the total move before some kind of a pullback or whatever, before that happens, meaning the pullback, you have traders and investors finally saying, oh, the coast is clear. Let me jump in. And then they get a pie in the face, and you know the rest of the story. It's the Johnny-come-lately story. About the 240 chart, anything interesting that we can take note of or take stock in? Well, from the low, interestingly enough, at least so far, the 240 chart found a high on time. What does that mean? You've got to take the course, lazy e-mini trader, to understand why time is more important than price and how it all works. So you're on time into a breakdown candle high. So you begin to get the sense of a full stack of information. Anything on the 120 chart that's going to give us new or different information? And the short answer is no. Normal garden variety retracement thus far. Is it likely or unlikely that at this point they're going to fill the gap over here at 447.16? I would say it's in the likely camp. Can they have a jam session into the weekend? It's possible. Will they sell them into the weekend? It's possible. Now, what we've started to see, not every single time, but normally we see floater Fridays. Now, all of a sudden, we've started to see some kill em Fridays. We'll see if they resume the floater Friday into this weekend. How does that happen? What's the only way that happens? They have to start getting above today's high and closing candles above today's high. Starts on shorter time frame and morphs from there. If they can't sustain, for example, hourly closes above today's high, then they're not going to go fill the gap, and they're going to end up getting rejected and have a real or meaningful pullback rather than just running sideways. Here's the hourly chart, another one that happens to be on time. And this one, you really have to say, is one of those head scratchers where you say, yeah, it's on time, and it's uncanny, how this works. How about on time into a breakdown candle high 
with a little tail candle slash pseudo-doji, something like that. It's out of the course. All that stuff's out of the course. That's a full stack, and I was sleeping at the wheel as that was taking place. How about inside the numbers? We're going to run through this a little bit differently today in light of the fact that we had one of those runaway markets that just went up, didn't stop until it did, it was real quiet, and just because it stopped didn't mean there was a short trade on the spot, yada, yada, yada. So in light of that, we had a one-way ticket to nowhere today, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to scroll around. I'm going to let you read the notes. I'm going to give you the synopsis. There was an attempt at a short trade, took a point and a half loss. There was another attempt at a short trade, made a little bit of money, the money back from the point and a half loss, a little bit of lunch money, then it was over, and that was it for the day for me in that runaway type market. And the reason is, or one of the reasons, is because when you have a runaway market, it's not a trader's friend. It's not a trader's even acquaintance, because it's very difficult to find bona fide opportunities in a one-way ticket type of market. So that being the case, you have to accept the tape that's in front of you and understand what you're capable and not capable of doing. On a day like today, in most cases, we're not capable of inventing trades in a one-way ticket type of market. Unless a trader wants to hop on for the ride on one of the indexes, for example, the IWM or the SPY, that's an individual trader choice. I can certainly tell you where they're headed, where the resistance is, and you will see that in the notes, and there are some traders that hop on, and we understand all that. But the reality is, the buy high and sell higher thing isn't for everybody, and it's not my favorite trade. Here's the list of stocks on the move. We had three on the board, but none of them hit, so it doesn't really matter. Here's the latest swing trade from Lazy Swing Trader, VFC, in yesterday. Nice little up move today. Going to need some market participation to get this thing to go a little bit higher, but it's moving in the right direction. Another good day for Penn. That's another swing trade from this week as well. Just to reiterate this, and there's a method to the madness. I brought these two up for a reason because there's a learning opportunity here. Did I time the entering of the swing trades to the supposed bottom, would-be bottom, should-be bottom in the market? And the answer is yes. And I'm not saying it's a long-standing bottom. It may or may not be. But we knew, or at least had pretty good evidence, it was going to be at minimum of a short-term bottom. So what's going to happen to the stocks? Most of the stocks are going to go along for the ride when you get a bottom in the market. So you find the stuff with the charts that I like to see. We talked about this one yesterday with the weekly chart full stack type of situation. And we got follow through today up another 2.5%. We're out of the first target. Now what we have is, and it's called, a risk-free emotionless trade. Why is that? Money's in the pocket off the first target, and now we get to not let it end up losing us money because I'm never going to let this thing go beyond or below my entry point. I'm going to have a stop above the entry. My worst case is a profit on half of the position, period. Treating it as a business. Remember the VIX? We talked about this yesterday. They finished on the lows. That was essentially bearish for the VIX, and it was somewhat bullish for the market. Well, you got the bullish part of the market you got the bearish thing on the VIX, and here they come into the next set or the lower set of moving averages down here at the 50 and 100 period moving average. 
Look at the movement in this index from a high the other day of 28.79 to 18 and change today. That's tremendous. We're looking to add this to the lazy swing trader, but not now. I'm looking for a lower price. I want it on sale. We're going to get one of these moves and then some. The VIX is a tough customer. You have to really time it. I won't say perfect. I'm not in search of perfect, but you have to time it pretty darn good. I'm working on it. What's going on over in Camp IWM? How about this jam session going on? What's the first thing that jumps off the page on this chart at me? For whatever the reason is, this is the first thing. Is it this with a A leg, B leg, C leg, and who knows where that's going? Or is it the other way? Did we have an A leg down? This is a retracement to be a B leg and another leg lower. We don't know yet. The interesting thing is where we close the week, and this is the weekly chart, look where we are relative to the 20-week moving average. Now, they've been back and forth through the 20-week moving average many times, so we talk about this all the time. It diminishes the importance of the 20-week moving average. However, from a psychological perspective, being above all the moving averages is just an uptrend, period, full stop. Or are they just going to run a test of the most recent breakdown candle high. Maybe, let's see where they finish this week. Umpire calling balls and strikes, you have a low, you have a higher low, and you have a potential higher low. Watch out above, you never know. There's no evidence they're gonna make new highs right now. I'm just saying, you have to be aware. You have to be the umpire calling balls and strikes. Leave your bias at the door. What about the folks down at the transportation department? This was a nice big up day. It was more of a dead cap bounce, relief rally, call it what you will. There's a bunch of terms for it. They ran up to the 200 period moving average and pretty much stopped dead on it by close. It's not that we're going to be able to make heads or tails out of that. They're down a lot. You got to put this thing in perspective. They're down from here above 16,000 down to 14,000 in this sell-off. Other than a few short-term rallies along the way, this thing topped out, and we talk about this all the time, in May. This is my favorite canary in the coal mine, second favorite market-leading indicator. The reason it's the favorite canary in the coal mine is because traditionally, and this is going back in history, in my experience, and other traders' experience for that matter, the transports have always been a good tip-off of what's really coming over the long term with the economic underlying health of the market. Transportation, stuff moving around the world, moving around the country, goods moving around in mass, increasingly transports going up, expansion of economies. Other way, mirror image or 180 degrees in the other direction is a foreseeing of a contraction of that same stuff. The transports topping out in May, is that the market's way of saying, hey, there's nothing we could tell you anytime soon, but what we're doing is we're giving you one of those flares, a shot across the bow saying, hey, into the future, you got to look out because things really aren't as good as they appear to be today when you look out into the future. 
And that's really what happens when you see one of these indices that is a tried and true indicator of something into the future. And that's really what it is for me. That's the way I look at the transports. And when I see something that topped out in May and I pit it against other stuff that's just been relentless to the upside, making new highs, you have the Qs and the S&P and all that stuff, and this thing's been struggling, and I look at it and say, well, it's probably telling me something into the future. Could it be a year in advance, two quarters in advance, some other period or amount of time in advance? Of course, we don't know. These are guidelines. What I'm doing is I'm giving you the benefit of the things I use that isn't necessarily actionable or tradable information today, but I'm giving you the stuff that I store away in the back of my mind. I know this thing topped out in May. I know that's not good information for the overall market into the future. The likelihood of an entirely new and fresh leg higher without the transportation average participating and making new highs is slim to none and slims on vacation or in quarantine. That's my big picture perspective. What about the Q people, the folks out in Silicon Valley? They filled the gap, the dead cat bounce slash relief rally. However, they're still in an uptrend. Technically speaking, nothing wrong with this chart. They never touched the weekly chart 20 period moving average. And we already know this. They do not, and I repeat, do not have a lower low in the queues. We talked about this at the time. It's kind of another one of those flares up in the air. It's a puzzle piece. You have to be the umpire calling balls and strikes. The queues not making the lower low. So here's a low. Here's a higher low. This is still technically by pennies a higher low. As long as that's the case, the same uptrend is intact. And as long as now they're back above and stay above the 50 period moving average, then technically speaking, the trend is your friend and there's nothing wrong with the tape. They never touch the 20. The weekly chart trend is up. The monthly chart is running out of control, but it can do so until such time as she's finished. The XLF came into that lower end of the support we talked about a few days ago or before they came into that support area when they were up in this zone saying, here's what's going to happen. They're going to find support down here. They found support down here. And what did they do? They went back to retest the what? The point in which they broke down from the collapse area, just like the other charts. And we're going to be interested to see the weekly close. You have a, technically speaking, a weekly chart reversal candle. You have a higher low. You have an increasing amount of volume from last week. It's not like institutional participation distinctly different yet. Anyway, we haven't seen the closing volume. There's still one trading day left or 20% of the week left over. So we don't know exactly where we're going to finish, but we're going to finish with better than average volume in the XLF on the weekly chart. Weekly reversal candle back above the moving average, ran a test. That's all bullish information. Same thing with the SPY on the weekly. You have good volume. You had good volume last week, but you have better volume this week, assuming we're going to have some trading activity tomorrow because they're about equal from last week to four days into this week. Reversal candle, test of a moving average, an uptrend. That's bullish information. Set that aside from 
They could pull the rug out, find yourself down a hundred handles, Monday morning, Tuesday morning, anything goes, we know that. But just looking at this and taking it at face value, that's what we're doing. It's the duck. Walks like a duck, talks like a duck, using the 80-20 rule, the majority rules rule, 80% of the time it's going to do the thing it normally does. The setup is bullish. 20% of the time it's going to be the ugly duck and something else is developing. What about Smash Mouth? Was ahead of the other indices, we talked about it yesterday, and it's a pretty good leading indication for the tech space as a whole. They filled the gap, closed above the gap, above all the moving averages, the trend is your friend, and you know the rest of the story. Weekly chart, technically speaking, this is in a very tight uptrend. There's nothing wrong with this chart whatsoever. This week was a pullback, and they ran a test of the most recent break-up candle low. Period. Full stop. I got distracted for a moment. I saw out of the corner of my eye that during the electronic session, gold is continuing to get taken out behind the woodshed. So I thought it'd be appropriate to make mention that I've been waiting for this spot for a little while. So whether it's 1730, 1735, 1740, 1725, this is a zone where under normal garden variety conditions, they should get a reaction back in the other direction. It's not easy to trade gold, and if they start getting below 1700, you could see a lot lower prices, and I'll give you that price. 1665, 1660 in that neighborhood is really the next price down if in fact this 1730-40 area doesn't hold. Here's the GLD, and I'm not sure exactly where this thing's going to be tomorrow, but if we fill this gap down here, and we'll call it 161, 70, 161, 75, 80, in that neighborhood, should, and I say should get a reaction in the other direction, and maybe, just maybe, more than that. Now, from a daily chart perspective, the low here is 160.68. Now, if you close below that low, there's other stuff going on, and we're not going to discuss that now. But since I saw it out of the corner of my eye, I thought I would insert it into the end of the video and see who doesn't watch the end of the video. They miss out on the numbers. Have I told you how much I appreciate each and every one of you? Without you, these videos are not possible. That is true and accurate information. We're going to pull the ripcord here today. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis.